Wait, are you... <laughs> are you gonna count me in? Whatever. I'm just gonna go for it. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say Queen's rule. But they don't. Queen's lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. And they're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Singleton, the queen of realness, leading conversations about business, life, and the real shit you want to know. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. We are well into season two now, and I am so excited to welcome Rhiannon Simcox. She is coming to us fresh live from Australia. It is early morning for her. Welcome, Rhiannon. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Absolutely. We are so excited to hear your story and give you this platform. So tell us about yourself and about James Home Services. How did this thing come to be? Sure. That is a huge question to start with. <laughs> Let's dive straight in, hey? Yeah. Um, I'll start with a tiny little bit about me and then we'll move into the interesting stuff, which is the business and what we're working on over here. I think um, you're the interesting person. <laughs> you're the queen of the show. <laughs> There's not much to tell, Amy. There's really not. I'm um, from pretty humble background. My parents are farmers in uh, northeast Victoria in Australia. Um, we're sheep and cattle farmers and I grew up on the farm and it still remains my absolute favourite place in the entire world to spend my time with my my parents and my two brothers there as well. Um, you know, I went to school in a, a little regional community I um, did pretty normal things as a kid, but I always had a bit of a feeling that I wanted to be something in this world. And something for me always meant uh, some kind of leadership role, something where I could help people and have an impact on other people's lives. Um, straight out of high school, I started studying architecture. I thought I wanted to be a residential architect. I backflipped a few times. I studied law. I thought there for a while I wanted to be a commercial, a commercial litigator. Wow. <laughs> I spent, yeah, I spent three years working in a law firm just to figure out that my strengths were not so suited to the legal industry whatsoever. Oh, wow. um, so that was a bit of a downer, but a good thing to figure out before I actually went so the whole way. Oh, good. Um, Aren't you um, so grateful for those kind of experiences that life's like, mm, not for you before oh, you're a man. decade in and feel stuck, you know? I have had so oh. many U-turns in my career so far. I mean, my career is only 10 years old, right? But I've done that many U-turns. It's not even funny. And oh, I'm so um, glad yeah, to some... hear that. Oh, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for no matter how far down a road you get, you can always turn around and go back. You know, yes. and there's no shame to that and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with it. And actually, you just have to learn to listen to yourself and listen to your gut and follow what it is that feels right at the time, even if there are lots of other people around you telling you that maybe that's not the smartest decision mm -hmm. or you know, that's not what they expected of you. I have, yeah, I have I have pulled some 180s that a lot of people who close to me who were my biggest supporters have gone, oh, gosh, you know. But yeah. 
No, I'm so glad you said that because I just, I mean, hello. Okay. We're already having gold and we're not even in the intro yet, but, but listen, I was just telling my 19 year old son this a couple of weeks ago, like son, I know I got stuck in a career. I I was a nurse first and like, I loved it, but I, I, there were all these inklings that it wasn't the right place. It wasn't maybe the right place. And I felt so dedicated and so loyal to the money I'd spent, the time invested to my family and what everyone, I was the nurse, right? Like that's what Amy is. And I, my identity was so wrapped up in that. And I think so many people fail to recognize that it's okay to do a 180 and make a different decision and go another way. It's okay. So thank you for giving our guests that permission. Take the permission, go another way. It's okay. Yeah, take the permission. Do the 180. Yes. Throw, throw the U-turn. I um I do a lot of speaking to Year 12 students in my local area, and I love it. It's one of the mm-hmm. things that just brings me the most joy because I had, I had a really challenge in Year 12. Like you know, I I, I studied really hard and I had big goals for myself and. Um, you know, the the intellect I required to get into architecture at the time was quite significant. So I needed to work hard and everybody around me was all cheering me on. But there was just this pressure just mounting on my shoulders. Like, if you don't get this, what's plan B? What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. And so year 12 was really hard because you have all that pressure. You have everybody kind of, you know, supporting you and cheerleading you on. But at the same time, you feel like their expectations of you are, they mean well, but actually sometimes it's too much, you know. And you've got this expectation that you're going to have your entire life planned out in front of you. And what I ended up doing was manufacturing a life plan so that when people said to me, honey, what do you want to do when you leave year 12? I was like, yep, I'm going to go be an architect. I'm going to be a residential one. I'm going to design passive houses. They're going to be sustainable. Like I had it all planned out, right? I had it planned out. I didn't actually have it planned out. I had it planned out so I could tell people. But speaking to year 12 students now is just one of my favorite things. And one of the key messages is, guys, throw as many U-bolts as you want. Do as many 180s as you need. And I get a whiteboard marker and I draw a little dot down the bottom and I say, hey, this is me when I was in year 12. When I was 18, sitting in your shoes, this is where I was. This is where I am now. How do you think I got there? Do you think that that was a linear path? You know, and they they think it is, right? In year 12, because you do, right? You got yeah. this plan. You're going to be an architect. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a nurse. You know yeah. that's your plan. And then I get the whiteboard marker and I just draw like the most ridiculous squiggle that I can come up with in three seconds. And I say, guys, this is the reality. This is what you're yes. about to embark on in the next decade of your life. Get comfortable with this. <laughs> yes, and I don't know how you can share your age or not, but I just turned 42. And I think that many people in my age and above need to recognize this in our young people and also give them that permission to make a 180 because there's so much pressure from grandparents and well-meaning aunts and uncles and all of these people in our families that, you know, there were a lot of people who were really giving my son a hard time because he chose to go to a vocational school and become a car mechanic. He loves it, but he went to an engineering class. We took him to tour the biggest engineering school here in the United States. And he, he learned early, like you said, it wasn't for him. It wasn't where his, where his passion was. And, you know, my family's like, well, you're going to have to work so hard. You'll be turning tools. I'm like, you don't know that he may be uh, something completely different in 10 years, but right now this is what he wants. And there's so much pressure on those young kids uh, in year 12, senior year, you know, 
to make those decisions so early. They don't know who they are, what they really I want. Look, I, like, I just I just turned 34 a few days ago, right? I'm, okay. I'm totally comfortable with my age. Great, great. And, um, so, yeah, someone said to me recently, oh, like, it must be, it must feel good to hit your mid-20s finally. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, I don't want to go back there because uh-uh. I know so much more about myself now than I did yes. 10 years ago. I've learned so much. And and to your point, Amy, like imagine if we had a world full of Elon Musks. Imagine how dysfunctional we would be if everyone right. was high intellect, high motivate, high I want to change this planet. We need those people, but we also need people who are totally happy and nail doing an admin-based role or a receptionist-based role or, you know, be a mechanic. I mean, we've all got cars, right? We right? need we need builders we need electricians we need people who do the stuff that keep keep the wheels of our economy moving so to speak I mean perfect example case in point James Home Services Australia we're a franchise network but what we do is we build cleaning businesses and lawn mowing businesses you don't need to be a Rhodes Scholar to own and operate one of those businesses but you are literally giving people time back in their week and that is so Mm. incredibly important you enable families to spend more time together you enable people to focus on their work if that's their priority and come home to a clean home you enable people that relaxation feeling when they get home their house is tidy everything's neat like there's just so many benefits to it and to put someone in a box and say oh you're just a cleaner no way come on you are you're a magician you're an absolute magician and you're the closest thing to a time machine we actually have in this world it is all about perspective it is all shout out to crystal pesavino with two mamas cleaning who comes to my home every friday and makes my day and gives me back four to five hours of time that I was spending on a Sunday, 18 months, almost two years ago, we made that decision to hire a cleaner and she's changed my life and we're great friends, you know? So in fact, I have to schedule meetings out of the house so that I don't just stand here and talk to her all day on Friday. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So many business owners tell us that, that the best part of their day is the clients that they build the relationships with. And then, you know, going to their home to clean is just like a little bit of a catch up every week. Exactly. I love that. absolutely love hearing that our business owners genuinely love their jobs and love their clients. That's just the best. Okay. So tell us, okay. So you alluded to James home services earlier and this, this solves so many problems. I don't know if the podcast is long enough to talk about how many problems this solves for business owners, employees, people who think they want to own a business, but really want to do work and people who need to hire trusted businesses. So please tell us, (laughs) <laughs> what James Services is and how all that kind of got started. Yeah, James Home Services of Australia is um, 30 years old this year in Australia. Um, wow. And what we are is a franchise network and we offer, um, basically we start cleaning and lawn mowing businesses. We are, we're a business incubator, we're a business accelerator. If you want to own a business, a cleaning business or a lawn mowing business, you can join our network and we will train you in everything you need to know. You can come to us with no prior experience. We don't need you to have ever cleaned a home before and we don't need you to have ever run a business before. We will teach you everything you need to know. So, you know, there are all any number of take courses or university courses you can do on small business management. There's any number of courses you can do to get qualified in training, in in cleaning and in all sorts of services, or you can join a franchise network and we provide all of that to you. 
About three years ago, the network changed ownership at a national level and the um, I work as the CEO and the individuals that purchased the network. At the time I was working for one of them, actually I was sort of on the cusp of working, not working for them. I was, I was on, I was a COVID jobless baby. <laughs> I, I love was it. Working, <laughs> I, um, I was working as a, as a business consultant and a regional economic development consultant um, for a small firm um, and I'd been working for them for about six years. And as we went into COVID, obviously, everyone just went into total pause mode. And all the economy the was not mode, being developed at that time. Not right? at all, right? And it yeah. was more so, it wasn't, it was more so that everything just got paused, right? And so everything mm -hmm. we were working on, all our major clients were like, mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to continue, but like, we don't know what's about to happen. So pause. And so, you know, there for about a week, like one by one, it was like pause, pause, pause. And it just mm -hmm. got to a point where, you know, I sat down with the guys that I was working with and we just said, well, they said, Rhiannon, there's no work for you. And I said, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, you know, yeah. at that time, I really fell on my feet and I had been introduced to a businessman in my local area and he was looking for someone to just be <clears throat> an all round like amazing person at just organizing stuff, getting onto stuff, making stuff happen, right? And I'd been introduced to him and we chatted and it looked like a go. So I sat down opposite him on day one. We were literally in the midst of, um, you know, COVID and lockdowns. And so we're, we're chatting over Zoom on my day one. And, and he says, I've just bought, or I'm thinking about buying a national franchise network. Now I had previous experience in due diligence processes, like forensic investigation on a business to decide whether you're going to buy it or not. And so mm -hmm. he said, I'm going to put you in as part of this due diligence team. And okay. I'm going to be honest, my first impression, when he first said, I'm thinking about buying a franchise network, initially I went, oh, like, is that something I want to be involved with? Because like, I'm sure 90% of your listeners are going, oh, franchising, like, oh, it just doesn't oh, feel. Oh, I hope they're know, not like, because Height yeah. is the very first digital marketing franchise of its kind in the United States ever. So my wow. listeners better love a good franchise. I did not realize that. Congratulations. Thank to you. you. Heck. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, but we have to, like, we have to be honest in that. Well, I mean, maybe it's different over there, right? But in Australia, certainly. I no, mean, no. People are like, oh, a franchise isn't the same as a local business. I don't think most people really appreciate what a franchise means and, and that I there are different so. types of franchises. So yeah. yeah. And like, I think you're in a safe place here. Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. <laughs> because I feel like definitely over here, you know, 20 years ago, the franchising industry was really celebrated for the role that it played in the economy. And nowadays it's more like, you know, we're very highly regulated and where people are high crit critiques of our industry. Mm -hmm and our actions and we're highly, highly watched for what we do. So yeah, my initial response was, oh, franchising, I'm not sure if um, that's something that I wanna be involved with. Anyway, we did six weeks of a due diligence process. And at the wow. end of the six weeks, me and the other guy that was working on this project and some others, you know, a legal team as well, um, we went into that boardroom and we said to the guys that were considering buying it, no, do, do not go anywhere near this with a 10-foot barge pole. Great brand, great company, great business owners, but don't touch this unless you are prepared not to see a return on your investment for five years and in that five years to pump in that much capital 
that it's not even funny. Like this network needs an entire transformation. We are talking wow. like from the ground up, rebuild the foundations. It was a 30-year-old company and the foundations had not been adapted with the times in that 30-year period. So they were great foundations 30 years ago, but you and I both know that 30-year-old foundations mm-hmm. for a business is not something you can take forward in 2023 or 2020 back then. Yeah. So we have spent the last three years transforming this network. And of course, you know, I worked in, after I had done the due diligence, the owners said, well, okay, now you know everything there is to know about this company. So I'd like you to work in it. So I started working <laughs> as the operations manager and uh, about nine months down the road, we had a bit of a chat one day and they said, we'd like you to, you know, we'd like you to stay. And I said, well, I'd love to stay, but I don't want to be too I see. I, I want to be CEO. So I asked for what I wanted and they both just looked at each other and said, that makes total sense. This girl knows what she's doing. So, so yes. there we go. that's, that's, that's how you queen land. right there. You ask that's for what how you want. That's how you land what you want, right? You ask for it. You back that's yourself. That's a 34-year-old CEO I'm a, or a 31 at the time, I'm assuming. I was 31 wow. at the time. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm so Thank proud you. of you. I don't even it know you daunting, and I'm so proud right? of you. That's yes. awesome. And then, wait, let me guess. And then you were kind of terrified. Oh, were you a little scared? 100%, right? Okay. Like the words coming out of my mouth were, yeah, I want to stay around because I love this company and I want to be CEO. But my head was like, what are you doing, girlfriend? What are you doing? You've never been a CEO before. You don't know what you're about to do. Like, how do you think awesome. you're going to run this company, let alone take it forward? How are you going to do this? How do you go? Yeah, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to jump off this cliff. I'm going to hope to hell that I put everything I need for a parachute on my back before I jumped. And I'm going to build that damn thing on the way down before I hit the wall. I just got cold chills. That's so good. Oh, my God. Yes. Build it on the way down. Jump. Build it on the way down. Jump. Build the parachute on the way down. You have to back yourself, right? You Mm -hmm. have to back yourself. So, um, And then what happened? Well, <laughs> on the way down, I, I built the parachute and we also turned this company around. We we, yeah, we transformed everything, Amy. Like, um, you know, we tackled the brand and we completely refreshed the brand. You know, every single policy and procedure was 30 years old. So it was like a total revamp of how we ran this organisation. There was no digitalization at all, oh. right? We're 2020 we're running a franchise network and franchises for anyone who knows franchises knows they are built on systems and processes and on dependability and repeatability and your scalability is in the fact that everything is do it once repeated a thousand times right yes. we had none of that in place or if it was in place it was 30 years old so everything was out the window we had you know we had to refresh all our workplace health and safety stuff Everything to do with how we were training our people needed to be refreshed. All our major training was rewritten. You know, all our marketing, there was no marketing happening. There was no marketing happening. And so I'm, you know, we're walking into this having to completely instigate marketing from the ground up. There was no Mm -hmm. strategy in place whatsoever. And it was an absolutely mad first 12 months. And, you know, we built out. We built out a CRM. We built out some uh, some software that we continue to develop. That was a half a million dollar investment of its own. Yeah. You know, wow. like that, that kind of stuff is huge. But every time now, 
you know, we're trying to do a task and I can see a way to automate it, that software is there. And now I'm just like, hey, developers, can we just plug this little thing in? And all of a sudden I'm saying, you know, we're saving our teams days in time, tasks they used to have to do manually. So yeah, it's been three years of wild transformation. We got to a point about about 18 months in where we had tackled all the big things that we were thought were the roadblocks, right? Because to be totally honest, when we bought this thing, um, there were no sales happening. We weren't selling any new franchises. So we had a healthy cohort of existing franchisees, but we weren't growing. Now, anyone who knows franchising knows that half your revenue needs to come from existing franchisees and their ongoing franchise fees. But a good chunk, probably, you know, 30% to 50% needs to come from that growth of adding new franchisees. Mm-hmm. We had no pipeline for new franchisees. We had no marketing wow. for new franchisees. We had nothing coming in. And yet we're spending so much on this, you know, reinvesting in the transformation. And yeah. so we we had done all the things that we thought were roadblocks to our growth and yet growth still wasn't happening. And we were just at point blank going, what on earth is happening here? How, what? Why? Why are we doing all of this work and we're not seeing any growth happening? Why aren't we seeing people interested in what we're doing? Yeah. And we had to ask ourselves two key questions that every business owner should be asking themselves every single day. The first question is, does the market what want what I'm selling? And you've got to be mm-hmm. harsh and you've got to be really real with yourself here. Does the market actually want exactly what you're selling, right? Yeah. For us, that was pretty straightforward. What we sell is a platform to launch your own business. Dive deeper into that. What we sell is fundamentally part of most people's dream to be their own boss. You know, in Australia, it's probably similar for you guys, I feel. But in Australia, like the quintessential Australian dream is own your own home, own a backyard big enough for cricket stumps, right? And be your own boss. Flip the bird to your boss and That's run right. your schedule, yeah? Yeah, but so owning a business is so hard and everybody, fa- I mean, like, what is it? At least the United States statistic is like 80% of businesses fail in the first five years, I think. I mean, it's hard yeah. to do. Yeah, we are similar over here. I think we're about 80% in the first three years. Like that, that is a statistic that whacks you in the face if you're about to think about becoming a business owner, right? Because yes. it's like it's almost written in the sand in front of you, isn't it? Like unless yeah. you really know what you're about to jump into, you're going to significantly mm-hmm. underestimate just how hard it is. Yeah. So like we went back to basics in that first question, does the market want what you're selling? Well, yeah, the market fundamentally, we enable part of the quintessential Aussie dream for so many people. And I mean, like it's internationally applicable, isn't it? Everyone oh, wants to work yes. for themselves. Everyone wants freedom. That's that, really what, that. what we offer. Freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a maybe it's not a business. Maybe it's not actually working for yourself, being your own boss. Actually what it is is freedom over your own time. And I feel mm-hmm. like that concept transcends international borders. Yes. That's so good. the question to our, or the answer to our first question was, yes, the market wants what we're selling. So then the next question is, why aren't they buying from us? Why? Mm-hmm. There is another roadblock in the way. What is that? And we 
we did so much research on the people who were coming through our sales process but not progressing. They were dropping off or people who were, you know, that, that looked like they were ideal candidate and they just weren't engaging with the process. We did so much research over about six to eight months. And what inherently kept being fed back to us was we want flexibility and mm. we want we don't want to put all our money because a franchise, you buy your business up front. And in our mm -hmm. case, it was $40,000. That's that's Australian, but it was $40,000. Now, that's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money. Most people don't have access to $40,000 sitting in their back pocket, right? right. Not, not the sort of people that were attracted to starting businesses with our network anyway. And they were saying to us, well, we want flexibility in how we're paying for it or we want flexibility in how we consume and utilise your services. And we don't want to put all our money on the table up the front. It feels too risky. And so basically we were being told that our model was old, that it didn't suit the needs of the current market anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what choice do you have but to innovate and to come up with something radically different? And basically I went to our directors one day and I said, guys, I've got an idea. We need to flip some tables. We need to do something this industry has never seen before. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't even know if I can financially model out what this is going to look like with any level of certainty because I don't know. But I think. But you you're used to, to doing 180s. I mean, you're I'm used, used to change in direction. I'm used to jumping off you're the cliff. You're not afraid. Point, right? So I, I'm like, I'm used to backing myself. I'm used to taking a risk. I am, yeah. I am not risk adverse. I will take a bit of a risk. And this is You're every financial advisor's dream. <laughs> uh, I know about that. But, um, and so I said, like, we, we need to flip some tables. We need to offer a subscription. Yeah. You know, their first re response, they laughed at me. Yeah. They're like, they, you're out of your mind. Yeah, totally. Right. Because yeah. you've they've never heard of this concept before because I did so much research, right? I was thinking about all of this and I was like, we need to offer a subscription. We just need to offer a subscription, a weekly subscription. You subscribe to your business. That's it. You build it from there, right? Yeah. And I thought, surely this has been done before. So what did I do? I, I Googled American franchises and I was like, surely America has done this before, right? Yeah. I couldn't find anything. Uh, internationally, I couldn't find a single case study, a single paper talking about this kind of a concept. You know, we've gone subscription mad in this world in the last decade. Right, yes, everything. was subscription. And yes. I thought, surely this has been done before, right? And it hadn't. So when I launched this idea to the directors and they laughed at me, I was like, yeah, fair call, because, you know, you've never heard of this before and neither have I. But, guys, like, the, the cost of not trying this is likely failure. Yeah. And we have an entire network of existing business owners relying on us right now. Mm -hmm. Failure is not an option. We have an obligation to these guys who are already in our network, whose families are supported by what we enable them to do with their businesses. Yeah. Failure is not an option. It's not just yeah. you and me in this. It's not just That's a right. couple of people at the head office team that we could help find other jobs. Like it's a hundred people and it's their families. And yeah. failure is not an option when that's on the table. And so wow. um, after the the laugh, um, I kind of left it for a while. Like I had been, you know, working this idea over in my head for quite some time. And when you get a when you get a bit of a laugh, it feels like a bit of a door has been slammed in your face and you you see yeah. it go, oh, okay, ouch. You know, I really thought I was onto something there and just sort of got taken out at the knees. Um and I went away. 
And I've got a little bit of a, a, a rule in my life, which is when I get a no or when I get disappointed by something or when something doesn't go my way, I allow myself 24 hours to feel angry about it, to grieve, to blame everybody else, to feel all the feels, right, to go yes, through the emotions because yes. I'm human. I'm right. Human. And after 24 hours, I pick myself right back up and I say, right, I didn't get the outcome that I wanted to get. So what am I going to do differently next time around to change that? Mm. And so I went back to the drawing board and I did a whole heap more research and we modeled it out a little bit more. And I, you know, some of the sorts of questions that they had thrown up to me, I did more research on. And I, you know, I worked through more scenarios. And a few months later, I went back to them with more information. And we went through this process for sort of six to eight months where we just worked through what this might look like. And eventually we got to a point where they were like, let's do this. This is so exciting. Let's do this. So that is a exceptionally long winded answer to your question about an hour ago, which was what is James and what does it do? And where did this subscription model idea come from? That's where it it came from. So you're not only a subscription model for business owners, you're also, uh, you generate the lead, your website generates the leads from the consumers for these services as well. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So part of our role as a franchise network is to start them off in their business, to train them, to do the mark, to do a lot of marketing work for them at a high level, the complicated stuff like the digital presence, you know, having a website, having a call center, having the marketing strategy. We also place a huge emphasis on teaching our guys to fish for themselves, right? Because mm-hmm. in our network, there's kind of two, two models that we can go down, right? One is like we accumulate all of the leads. We do all of the marketing. We accumulate all of the leads and then we just feed our network. And that kind mm-hmm. of, you can kind of think of that as like they're just subcontractors. You know, they might own their own business, but actually they're just subcontracting to us and we feed them the work. Mm-hmm. There's merit in that model. And there's a lot of business owners who who that's the right model for them. Mm-hmm. We really focus on people who want to upskill. Our focus is building a community of business owners who are skilled, who mm-hmm. can, after their journey with James, who can transition those skills and leverage them in whatever is next for them. I want to see us contributing to uplifting an entire generation of business owners who understand what it takes to run a business, who aren't Mm. part of the 80% who fall over in the first three to five years, you know? So our model is more focused around, yes, we do the high-level complex stuff, the digital strategy, the overall strategy, we train them, but they are also out there on the ground and we teach them really practical marketing strategies. So we accumulate some of the leads that come in naturally through the website, through our call centre, through our marketing, but then also similarly they're out there generating their own work and generating their own leads as well. And so Mm -hmm. it's a combined effort. And it also means that both parties really genuinely have skin in the game here. They're not really reliant on us, so they feel like they're in control, right? And, And that's, you know, we talked about, well, you want to be a business owner. Actually, what you're wanting is freedom. Do you then want someone to be the one feeding you the work? Because that's not freedom. You're reliant on them. We we really believe that actually freedom and business ownership is about being in control. And Mm -hmm. so whilst we are here and we support and we market and we train and we do all of the things, you know, you have a dedicated business coach assigned to you and their role in our organisation at the head office level is to help you grow your business. 
that's all in place, right? That support and that backup, I oh. genuinely believe we are the ones doing it the best in this country. I don't believe Incredible. there's people out there in our industry, in our sector doing it better than us <clears throat> when it comes to support and when it comes to genuinely building the skills of our business owners. Yes. It is about putting them in control. It is about also holding them accountable. It is also about pushing them outside of their comfort zone, making them uncomfortable, teaching them, teaching them what they came to us to be taught, how to yes. run a business. And that's not easy. That's hard. There are a lot of challenging moments. There are lots of ups and downs as a business owner. There's so many of those. But, yeah, our focus really is genuinely on building the skills of our business owners so that whatever whatever journey is next for them after James, what we've instilled in them, they can take with them. Yeah, that you're developing people. And that is our entire, uh, that's hype. That, that's completely high in a nutshell. Like I knew I was going to love you. Yeah. Our values are so similar because, you know, we see the value in personally branding each one of our franchisees and helping them build their brand and write their book or start their podcast or do whatever it is because it's not forever. A marketing agency isn't forever. People are forever. You know, people's lives are at stake and their livelihood and their legacy that they're going to leave for their families and their communities. And oh, it's just so freaking wholesome. I love it. It's so good. So good. Oh, it just, it gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, the yes. fact that I just feel so privileged to get to do what I do. I like, you know, I, I get out of bed in the morning and my entire day is spent focused on how can I help the business owners in our network to be to grow better businesses. And in turn, their businesses are supporting their families. Their businesses and their families are supporting their local community who are supporting their local people. And that just, I, I've come from a small so community, good. you know. As a teenager, yes. I worked in the local store. I worked at the pub, I worked in the local cafe, I managed the local store there for a while. Like community was my upbringing. It, it takes yeah. it takes a whole tribe to raise a child. You know, that's Absolutely. where I came from. And I feel like every day I get to get out of bed and I get to be part of the tribe that's raising these strong business owners in, in our broader tribe. And that just, it motivates me every single day. There are, there are hard days, don't get me wrong, right? There are days where, yeah, sure, you don't want to get out of bed and you don't want to have to make the hard decisions and you don't want to have to have that conversation with that person again. Yes. Like yes. there's all of that, right? But by and large, what I get to do is a privilege. I get to help people. I get to build businesses. I get to build skills in people. And I, and I get to work with the most incredible head office team that made that all possible. That's so awesome. Oh my gosh. So when are you duplicating this to every other country on the globe is my question. Like what's next? We are so focused right now on the market in Australia. Like I, I get this question a lot, right? When are you taking this overseas? When are you going international? What's next for you? There's surely there's something major that's next, right? And I'm not going to lie. There are some, there, there are some other really big innovative plans that we've got for this network. Really big. Like like the subscription model is a world first. I've got, you know, our, our next plan is a, is another thing that I can't find being done in the world. And I, okay. you know, so so there there is a what's next for us. However, yes. I really feel that as, you know, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who leads a, a national company, sometimes you also have to double down and you have to focus 
on what you're doing and you have to really, really nail it before you mm-hmm. get caught up in what's next, right? Yeah. Sometimes we get a little bit involved in the next shiny thing. And oh, yes. if we do that, that shiny things. Yeah. <laughs> we love shiny things. Oh, this is a whole outfit. Like it's an entire oh pantsuit. Like I can't oh. even tell. Yeah, it's wild. Oh, that is fabulous. I love Isn't it fabulous? <laughs> I rent my I rent my wardrobe, so don't like I didn't but, Wow. Yeah. We do oh. get caught up with shiny things, but I love that you said that. I'm a little that mesmerized. Is... <laughs> I'm a little no we get caught up with what's the shiniest new thing right and so I really think that again this is not just about it this is not about me this is not about our owners this is not about our head office team right this is so much bigger than the core group of people who who sit at the head of this this is about our broader network and the you know the hundred business owners that we are responsible for What's the best thing to do by them? Is it to, you know, jump around and go to the next shiny thing and do the next world first and mm-hmm. be the next headline in the newspaper? Or is the best thing actually to double down, focus on what we introduced as a subscription model? It's only 12 months old, right? Mm. We have learned a lot about this model in the last 12 months, so much. We've yeah. got a lot more to learn and mm-hmm. we are, you know, we're, we're, we're finding out new things about this and we're adapting and we're making changes to it as we go. So right now I feel like the right thing to do is really to focus on what we're doing and to get it right and to yeah. double down on it, do it really well. You know, do you go out and do a million things and do you half-ass all of them or no. do you do a couple and you really, really nail it? Really nail it. That's right. Our, our philosophy in this company is if you're going to do something, do it well, do it with yes. conviction, do it with pride do it really, really well. So that's what we're working on right now. We are just yes. doing, we are just doing yeah. well what we started, you know. Yep. I want to get oh, this yeah. right. I don't yeah. want to be in line for the wrong reason. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We're completely obsessed as well right now. That's our entire focus at Height is we are becoming completely and totally obsessed with the quality of our product because we built this beautiful thing. And like you said, you know, you move on to the next thing too quickly and you grow a team too quickly. Then you realize, okay, let's circle back. Let's double down. Let's become obsessed with the quality and then we'll move forward again. So not to say it's not quality, but you can, it can always be better, right? We can always make our systems and processes and all of those things so much better as you learn and grow, then you can take that time to pause and perfect. Absolutely. We we're learning so much. And every day, every day we think, oh, maybe we could do something like this. And maybe we could do it this way. Maybe we could do it that way. And I am forever tweaking our systems and our processes and forever going back to our team for more feedback on things. And how can we streamline this? How can we do this better? You know, I just introduced a new uh, kind of plug into our software that automated a particular process for our onboarding team. And, mm. you know, like it, it, it's literally saved hours out of every single one of their days, you know, and nice. I, I love being able to do that because we're giving time back to people. It means that, you know, they're working full-time jobs and I feel like we just keep getting busier and busier. And at some point I don't want us to keep getting busier and busier. I want us actually to be streamlining the processes that are taking the most time manually so that actually my team are not working 40-hour weeks. They're doing what they need to do in 30 to 35 hours and they're going to the shops or the park with their kids in the other five hours that otherwise they would have been working for us. I just, I have a totally relaxed approach to like hours and like, yes, 
I just I just think it's so much about, well, how can we be constantly improving what it is that we're doing? And I really love your terminology, becoming obsessed with the quality because I just, I, we have another little term that we use in this company and it's, you know, you can have all the visions and the missions and the goals and the statements and the strategic plans and the operational plans and the business plans. You can have all of that, right? And and don't get me wrong, that's important. I came from a world where I spent six years of my corporate professional life writing business plans, writing strategic plans. I've sat on that many boards. It's not even funny. Like I am well, I am well across. We know that. A good old strap plan, you know. However, the more I got involved in that world of writing these plans, the more I realised that they were going on shelves and not being executed. The more you plan sometimes, the less you focus on implementation. So it's quite funny. I've done a full 360, right? As a consultant, I spent my day writing these plans. As a CEO, I spend my day implementing. Implementing. Doing. Doing, right? Do, 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 do. Planning. And where are we going? What does this look like? And look, I've got a strap plan for the company, obviously, right? But it's a spreadsheet. It's a spreadsheet with year one, year two, year three, and some like it's a matrix. What do we want to achieve? What are you, and how is this happening? And like just dot points, right? It ain't no hundred page document. Yeah, and I've done yeah. full three hundred and sixty, and that I wrote the hundred page documents for corporations all over this part yeah. of the world. And now I'm like, I kind of have a little bit of an an aversion to them because the more I wrote them, the more I realized that you don't own it if you don't write it, and you don't own it if you don't have time to do it. So now That's I'm right. about implementation and getting it done, and that yeah. really is the focus. And so instead of having 100 page documents sitting on my sitting on my shelves behind there are pretty things on my shelves there are no 100 page strategic yeah. plans instead what we do is we have this little saying we steer this ship with sharp business acumen but a focus on a strong moral compass mm. and it's the moral yeah. compass that drives our hardest decisions right the That's sharp right. business acumen is what the directors want to think I'm I'm steering the ship with, and it is right. Yeah. You can't you can't do what we're doing without sharp business acumen. But we steer this ship with a strong moral compass. That's what guides our direction, and so yep. it is about doing the right thing by our people. And that right now is is really focusing on an obsession with the quality, the quality of our training, our the service we're providing, the coaching we're providing, the marketing we're providing, the the systems and the processes. It's an obsession with quality, much like yours. I really love that terminology. You nailed it. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I think just more people spend so much time planning, especially when you fall into the category of perfectionist or people pleaser or whatever that is. You want to plan and plan and make sure it's going to be so perfect. And you don't know what you're going to mess up until you act and do. And then you learn quicker what you're going to fail at, what doesn't work, and you can pivot and change and go a different direction. Do that 180, but you don't know until you act. So I'm so glad you shared that. So act guys if you're out there listening and you feel stuck and you're planning 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 just quit planning and start doing some stuff yeah, and then you'll figure it out doing. <laughs> start doing just start doing the thing so I can't believe our time has come so quickly already you have such an incredible story I'm so excited for what you're doing and 
and um, what you're providing to the people of Australia. I mean, that freedom and the community and, and the families that you're impacting are just incredible. And I love that you're doing it with a strong moral compass. And that's the way that you will, you will thrive and survive and, and grow and do all the things that you, you've set out to do. Um, thank you so much for being my guest. I have one last question for you. Tell me, what does being a queen leader mean to you? Oof. What does being a queen leader mean? Backing yourself, asking mm. for what you want in this world, right? No one in that room was just going to randomly offer me the role of CEO. No one was just going to come up to me one day and say, hey, hun, you're doing pretty good. Do you want to be CEO? Like no one was going to do that, yeah, right? Yeah, that doesn't happen. I, I asked for it. I asked yes. for it. And the the things where the, the biggest milestones in my career have been where I've asked for what I wanted. What, mm. what does it be, mean to be a queen leader? Back yourself, ask for what you want. That strong moral compass, like mm. do the right thing by the people in your care, right? The word mm -hmm. leader, it implies there are people in your care. Yeah. And that brings with it, I think, the highest responsibility and obligation there is in this world, be yeah. it your family members, your friends, your children, or the people who work with you in your team in the company mm -hmm. that you're leading or that you have a leadership role in, they are in your care. Take care of them. Take care of their hearts. Take care of their souls. Take care of them mentally, them physically. You're going to make me cry. Yeah. It's so good. But that's, that's it. what it is, right? Yeah. Leadership yeah. is leading people. And yeah. we don't do that by simply managing them. Yeah, we can no. manage their workload we can manage mm. their productivity we can manage outcomes we can we can manage a lot of things none of that is leading leading is wildly different leading is about mm. caring leading is about leading is about being in the right laws of exchange right laws of exchange mm. is this concept that everything in life is a transaction and if you want a transaction to be a successful one you have to go into that transaction thinking about it from the other person's perspective so I go into every transaction or every engagement with someone in my team thinking about how am I making them feel? How, how am I supporting them? How is what I'm asking them to do also actually contributing to the goals that they have for themselves in this role, in this organisation? How does it make them feel? How do they feel they're contributing? Like when I go into an engagement with someone and I'm thinking about it from their perspective, it allows me actually to, to be a better leader because I genuinely care about them and I genuinely want the best outcome for that individual. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes that means that I push and I push hard and I have really high expectations. And sometimes being a good leader is also about being harsh. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what we don't talk about in leadership is that being a good leader is not about being someone's best friend. No. It is not about holding their hand and letting them cry on your shoulder. Sometimes it's about saying, "Hun, pick yourself up and let's do this, right? I'm going to yeah. be right here. We are going to do this together, right? But yeah. you've got to do this for you. Sometimes holding people accountable is loving them. It's loving oh, them. If it weren't for yes. the people in my life that hold me accountable, I know that they love me and they love me more than anybody that's going to you know, be my crying partner when times get exactly. tough. 
Exactly. So let's just do yeah. a tiny mic drop for your answer on that. Good job. I love it. I, I'm waiting for, I need to get a little crown, like some kind of little crown I can place like on your head from here, like high five you with oh, the crown. Thanks, because Amy, I'm so going to lie. I totally expected you to actually be wearing a crown when you came Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so now I definitely yeah. have to get one. Okay. You okay. One. You are to the Amazon I go. Podcast. <laughs> to Amazon I go. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Rhiannon, for an incredible conversation. If people are in the in Australia and they want to start a business, tell them or they need home services, cleaning or lawn care. Tell them where they can go to find it. Oh, super easy. Just jump on our website, jameshomeservices.com.au. All of the information is there. We've got loads of information about becoming a, a business owner in our network, like loads of information. Like if you're thinking about becoming a business owner, go there, right? We don't have secrets. We don't withhold information. We don't make you talk to us before you find out stuff. Like if you want to know what it's going to take to start a business full stop, go to our website. There is just wow. like bundles of resources and pretty much everything you want to know about our model. There's no secrets. Wow. We just put it all there. You can go and do your own research because that's empowering. When you can do your that's own right. research, that's empowering and we want to empower people. And also if you want cleaning services, lawn mowing services, if you want time back in your week to spend doing the things that are more important to you than cleaning or lawn mowing. And you do. Uh, you do then our website is also the place for you because you can actually look up whether you've got someone local to your area you can get in contact with them directly you can read about them you can see photos of them again there's no secrets wow. all of the information is on our website i love it thank you so much Trian, for being my guest and thank you for being a queen that leads thank you thank you for the opportunity of your platform and i have absolutely loved this conversation me too thank you the Queen's Lead podcast is recorded worldwide and produced by the kick-ass media team at the Height Digital home base in Nicaragua. Until our next episode, stay real queens and go lead. Remember to tap that follow and leave your review. For freebies and more real, inspiring content you love, go to amysingleton.net and connect with Amy on our socials at The Real Amy Singleton. One more thing. This is the legal language, what my lawyer wrote and what I need to read to you. This podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only. I am Amy Singleton, and I'm just your friend. Although I may speak to many on this show, I am not a psychotherapist, a business coach, a doctor, a CPA, a lawyer, or probably anyone who should be giving you professional advice. This podcast is not a substitute for a relationship with your doctor, coach, or any other licensed professional. Got it? Good. Now go be a queen and follow me at The Real Amy Singleton.